about the love of for the love of deadlines. <laughs> well, that's right. It's right on time, you guys. It's perfect. Ten more days. Okay. It says we're live. Yes. Okay, let me go put it over thanks there. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Michael, make sure that you make your post public because right now it's only sharing with your friends. Yes. I think we're live now, right? Yeah, we are. We are. Yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Friday Night Live. The four of us are very exciting. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. Is, any, is anybody uh, drinking pills before this? I'm drinking some. Anybody drinking some? Oh, yeah. I, I'm drinking. I'm drinking, I, I now, stuff. I'm drinking all I had. Dr. I bring my, now my, go -to, my go to cup for. Friday Night Live. That's great. Okay, there you go. So anybody on Facebook can see this now. <laughs> so um, how's everyone doing? What's uh, what's been the what's this week like been for you, Hector? Is, is this, uh, are you guys heavy into taxes this this week? I'm assuming oh. you've been heavy into taxes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. We we have a full blown uh, tax practice. This has been you know the the type of week where. I have insulted most of the people that I know at this point. So <laughs> just this week, <laughs> yeah. today. Think about today. Yeah. So the more I love the person, the more I have insulted them this week. You know, it's been a stressful week. Uh, you know, it's uh, even even though the corporate deadline for the S corp and partnership is March fifteenth, most people pay their taxes by April fifteenth. So so most of these extensions are just like one month extension so yeah it's been it's been crazy it's been really really crazy week how about you michael you're not doing you don't do taxes but you do you prepare the last year's uh financial statements don't you yeah we just make sure the you know we make sure the quickbooks files are updated and get the trial balances over uh to the cpas we work with different different cpas depending on the client and then uh right now i'm i'm primarily focused on uh announcing our the launch of our Denver and Los Angeles satellite offices. And then um, we also, I lost, also launched another company this month called Humanly uh, that's focused on HR on demand HR services. And so right, that, let's, uh, let's unpack that. So the, the new office is where LA you said Los Angeles and Denver. Yes. Cool. So what, what does a new office mean other than a physical location? Can you kind of walk us through what opening a new office means? Yeah. So basically I am guinea pigging the idea of uh, a reconciled bookkeeping network. And um, if these two um, offices um, work and we see traction on the sales side and marketing side, I'm going to be opening up an application process for smaller bookkeeping firms that are doing a quarter million dollars or less in revenue that want to become a part of the reconciled bookkeeping network. And so what that means is they can focus on their niche or they can uh, stay their same size and all of the leads um, and sales they continue to get because of the longevity of being in their city or the location they are in, they can um, uh, bring to reconciled and, uh, and then reconciled can use its, sales and marketing um, engine 
to do outreach to their respective area, to their general area, which we currently don't do any outreach on the West Coast or mountain region at all. We primarily focus on the East Coast right now. So um, we'd be able to start doing that in those respective cities and um, not only bring business to ourselves, but also refer business that pertains to the, the niches of those in the network um, to those, you know, those um, firms. So it allows those firms to actually share in revenue and uh, without having to do any of the work. Um, they basically just bring it to us and then we take care of the whole process and take over the work. So that's where we're guinea pigging in LA and, and Denver. And you, and you share revenue for only the customers that you bring for them or for their entire customer base? Uh, for the customers that they bring to us or that we bring to them. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, so they, they still remain independent. Yep. An affiliate network. Yep. Clients you work together, whether they come from there to you, from you to them, you do some right. sort of revenue. Right. Sure. And it removes, yeah. yeah, it removes yeah. the pressure of a firm owner who wants to stay small or wants to stay, stay focused on a niche. It removes the pressure of having to create the same infrastructure process that we've created at Reconciled now. Um, so, you know, the only way to grow and scale is if you create the same kind of structure we have. And a lot of firm owners don't want to do that, right? They, they, they want to keep their small team of two to four or five people um, and either focus on a niche or focus on a service and not grow very fast, but they're getting calls and leads all day long still. And that's the dilemma we run across with a lot of firm owners is they, they don't know where to send them. So um, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're able to do is allow them to still serve that lead or serve that customer and not feel like they're letting them go but also know that they're giving them to a solid, um, a reputable firm that can work with them. Let me ask one more question because I've also expanded my practice, not at the level that you have, you're kind of the master at that. But um, what about, do you, and I'm going to use the wrong word, I'll, I'll let you change the word. Do you impose a specific process upon this firm? Like I brought you a customer, is there a certain expectation on, you know, this, on the onboarding, how it's handled, how the actual accounting work is done? Or do they remain 100% independent on how they do the work? Yeah. So if they, if they bring a client to us, then that client that comes to us, we, the moment they're introduced to us, we take over the whole process. So we take over the sales process. We take over the, you know, the onboarding and we do all the work. So really that firm is going to benefit from a revenue share on that client without having to do any work except for introducing us. And then if the client wants to meet in person, that firm owner is making themselves available to meet in person while we, we handle the sales process virtually. If we bring them a client, we've, then um, that means we believe that whatever their process as a firm is and whatever niche they're focused on is gonna best serve the client. So we just give them that client and then they take over. So that's, that's where their focus is gonna be. And how much of this is, um, like, is it gonna be 75 them pushing clients to you, 25 you pushing the clients to them, 50-50? Where do you see that split being? It's really the appetite of the firm. Most of the, most of the, both of the firms that, um, you know, we're working with initially um, that are part of this uh, initial kind of uh, beta phase um, are smaller firms that want to focus on their niche or, and don't have the capacity or the desire to grow as big as we do. So more than likely, a lot of the firms are going to be sending us a lot of their leads because they want to grow in um, revenue, but they but they don't want to grow in operations size. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that's, and that's fine. A lot of bookkeeping firm owners don't want to grow in, in capacity or operations size. 
Um, so yeah, Brad, what do you think about this idea? Um, I, you know, I, I didn't intend to share about it tonight, but you, know, you guys asked. So what do you think about this idea? Well, I've, I left public practice so long ago that um, when I sometimes listen to you guys' pain points and challenges and marketing struggles and everything, it's not alien, but it's not really what I do. But it sounds very cool because you've got this proof of concept that, you know, is established. We know that. It's, it's interesting that you can bring it into these new markets and just kind of ease people into it sort of and offer them, you know, a good carrot to say, hey, let's work together and we can help each other out. So I, I like the collaborative nature that you're bringing, you're, you're entering these new markets. Sounds very cool. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, Andrew. I was just going to say, it's a, it's a brilliant strategy, right? Yeah. Because you've got all, all these people in these, in these little areas that are getting leads they can't service or mm -hmm. don't want to service um, and you want to grow. So it's like you said, it's win-win. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and I feel like oftentimes when you try to do a partnership, right? Um, partnerships tend to never happen, never work. Like just like we call them partnerships, but then it's just two people with good intentions that never end up doing anything. Um, but then it feels like the only other option is that firms tend to have is, okay, I either sell my whole practice and go in a hundred percent with whoever I sold to, or I stay by myself. And I, I really wanted to come up with a way where we could, um, we could still work together and, and, and kind of play nice together and team up together and help each other grow without feeling like we have to give up the whole, the whole thing, or we have to sign on the dotted line and sell our children in the whole process. And that's what I feel like a lot of firm owners, that's what they're presented is sell me everything you've created and maybe you'll get paid out over the next two to two to three or four years. Um, why don't we just, uh, why don't we just do what we've done in the QuickBooks community or in this cloud community, be collaborative, figure something out, earn each other's trust, work together, uh, help each other grow our businesses and then move on from there. And, and eventually like, I would expect, or I would, it would not be surprised if eventually a few firms in the bookkeeping network, um, if we, if we do decide to launch that long-term, um, end up being acquisition targets or, or um, firms that end up merging into reconcile long-term. And I wanted to ask you, comparing that to, Andrew, you want to ask something? No, I was just going to say, it's a good way to get a feel for each other yeah. and build that trust, like you said. I wanted to ask you that the alternative to this was a franchise model, right? A franchise model where they use your brand, your system, your know-how, your process, your software, database, whatever, and they're forced to pay you a royalty and they have to purchase the marketing from you. Was there something that wasn't attractive about the franchise model or, is, or would you evolve to that eventually? Yeah, I, I think there, you know, there are examples of the franchise model um, out there. Uh, I think supporting strategies is one of the, the earliest and most successful ones out there in regards to that. Um, there is, you know, there's a variety of reasons why I, I, I didn't think it would work, but also there's a lot of upfront work that has to go in a franchise model. You basically have to create everything, right? It has to be kind of a cookie cutter. Here's the box. I'm going to sell you for this price and with an annual fee. Um, so you're going to have to put it together. And the franchise models that haven't worked well, as I've done my homework with, with franchisees who have tried the franchise model, um, is when all that stuff is not put together well and in, into a box that somebody else can take and just kind of execute on it. And so uh, what we find is um, some of our 
internal processes might work really great, but the one thing that wouldn't work well for a lot of bookkeeping firm owners is our sales and marketing process. So our sales and marketing process is not something that a lot of bookkeeping bookkeepers or accountants are comfortable with because most bookkeepers and accounts aren't salespeople. And, and we're very much a sales marketing brand driven firm. And so you have to be comfortable with that in order to, to, to do what we're doing. So we, we didn't think we were ready to do a franchise model. Let me ask uh, Brad a question or our, our guest for today, Brad Selmanis. You're from uh, Edmonton or Calgary? It's a West Calgary. Coast of Canada. Calgary. Yeah, so, so Edmonton's like three, three hours. It's just so stay, straight up. So staying within this topic. Um, Queen Elizabeth Highway. That's where I was actually born, but I've been there. Yeah. Where, where am I? No, sorry. I got cut off a little bit. No, I was saying staying within this topic. Uh-huh. I know, Brad, that you're a solo practitioner, right? You kind of do everything yourself on your own. If, currently, if, yeah. Currently, right? Looking for growth. If you had a, a if there was a business like uh, like Michael's, it's growing really fast. They're getting great recognition in the market, uh, marketing really well, reputable. They can price well. What would be attractive as a solo practitioner for you to be part of a group like this? Well, if I provided the similar services, because I really am playing in a different space altogether. I do a lot of consulting, but if somebody was out there looking for that sort of thing, <laughs> um, I think it's attractive because you're basically leveraging the experience of somebody who's been there, done that. And I think Michael, you kind of touched on it uh, about how some people just don't want to put the effort into it, but they sort of want some benefit from it. So to me, that's, that's the real attraction of this whole model. Then it, as a sole practitioner, it's a growth, it's a growth strategy. I mean, there's so many ways to go about it. You know, I'm, I'm pondering scaling myself and then it comes down to, well, do you partner? Do you hire? Do you bring in contractors? I'm going through all that right now because I'm getting too busy. I definitely in a situation where I can find people to do some of the work for me. And, and what does that look like? And then with compliance and, ta- and, and tax and everything, I have no interest in doing it. I, I lost interest in that 20 plus years ago, but I get the phone calls all the time, right? I've managed to market myself out of it. So I get fewer calls now, but I still get them. So what do I do? I find somebody and I just refer the work and then I don't see a dime for it. I might get a gift basket or a ticket to a hockey game, but that's not, you know, that's not scaling, right? It's karma, maybe helping somebody else out, but it's just finding that right partner so I've been in talks with a few partners in, in some firms in Alberta about how we can help each other out. So that's kind of in its early stage. There's one gentleman in particular that I'm really interested in talking to further. And we're, we're thinking of that. And then he can kind of, you know, focus on what I do, which is this, the QuickBooks training, the process improvement, things like that, and get me to do work for his clients as well. So it's a definite win-win. And we, we get on really well. So that's one option. Um, I almost hired last year, um, kind of came to my senses and no longer doing that. So something like what you're doing, Michael, is cool, but I've ne- I haven't found that right partner yet. If somebody came to me and said, hey, this is what I got, similar to what you're doing, would you be interested in leveraging some of that? In fact, I just heard from a CPA tonight with an interesting proposition, tons of clients, um, but he's, he's more on the, the wealth um, management state planning sort of side of things, but there is potential there because my clients need that too, right? 
and potentially he knows a lot of people that need QuickBooks consulting. As I told him, I said, look, I'm, I'm green. I'm QuickBooks. That's it. I'm not, I don't do anything, but that's <laughs> my clients don't use QuickBooks. I don't really take them on because there's no reason for it. So, you know, it's so, just finding that right alliance. So if there was a firm that did um, sort of consulting like you're doing right now, that was a bigger, larger firm mm -hmm. that was established that you could refer this on to and take a commission on all the, all the work you'd referred to, that would be an ideal situation for you. Well, it's th that would be good. Definitely. I haven't found that right partner. I've dabbled with a few other partners. <coughs> there just haven't been that right fit yet. And I'm very particular who I work with. The reason I work for my, my own myself, I was just out with somebody I worked with years ago um, that I used to manage. And I just remembered how horrible it was to work in a corporate environment. So you know, this accounting firm actually came out and said, well, why don't you just come work for us? And I thought, but that would be working for somebody else. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> sort of thing. So, yeah. So Michael's model would be perfect for you because yeah, exactly. you, you literally, brilliant. yeah, you literally shelve it, continue to yeah. do what you do, do what yeah. you enjoy doing as much or as little as you like. Yeah. And as those leads start continue to come through the door that you don't have interest in serving, you just push them off to absolutely the, let's call it the the um the virtual cfo reconciled version so i guess <laughs> yeah. michael that that's that's phase two like adding outsourced cfo services yeah well, you're, you're already doing that and i sort of do that i told someone tonight that i actually still do part-time cfo but it's very part-time because i don't really have time for much more but I mean, we all know we have this advisory discussion all the time. It's where the value is. That's where my clients love me the most when you can give them real actionable items about how to run a business. That's what I did for 20 years. I didn't do insurance work. I ran companies. I was a CFO and privately held companies and I was always in the thick of it. I was always, you know, helping make my mark. And people always used to say, you got to go on your own, man. You're just not the employee employment type. If you look at my LinkedIn profile, it tells a story over the last couple of years, go in for a year, get bored, go on to the next thing sort of thing. And I used to always say, well, then I got to go networking and I got to do marketing and this and that. I don't want to do any of that. I just want my four weeks vacation and my paid PD fees. And, you know, I, I just want my six figure salary and let's go. But apparently, the most employers that, didn't see it that way. So, and now you're self-employed, and you get zero days of vacation. Well, I haven't had one in a while. But you know, I guess London was wasn't exactly. We well, can call it a work thing, but you know, it's work. You're, it's you're work. making liquid gold now, Brad. Brad, you're making liquid gold. <laughs> it's just gonna you. It's yeah. So it's it's um. Something like that would be cool because that's an area where I struggle in, Michael, is the bookkeeping side, right? I get tons of people saying, I need bookkeeping. And I'm like, well, I did dabble in it and I realized how hard it was <laughs> to really do it right. And I just didn't, I never had my heart in it. So I get people saying, I need bookkeeping. I want you to set me up on QuickBooks. I want you to put me on Receipt Bank, all that stuff. But then they, they say, I need somebody beyond that. And I used to say, okay, I'll do that. And I used to do it for half my regular rate thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, make a little supplemental income. But now I've got these jobs that just won't go away. And I'm, I'm charging half my regular rate. And I'm like, I can't wait for this to be done and go to that next step where I say, okay, it's time for you to move on. I'll find someone for you. That would be ideal, right? I'd be able to say, hey, Michael, take this, take this off my plate, will you? And then they're still happy, getting good service. And 
you Canadian, uh, those of you in Canada listening, you heard it on the show. Brad, Brad <laughs> is looking for a bookkeeping partner. <laughs> if you happen to do that and are listening, reach yeah, out. there's only a few hundred out there. Um, <laughs> it, it's 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 just part of a strategy. I've been working with a marketing guy that I'm about to go full bore with, and we're talking about all kinds of things. I've always told him that when the time is right, I'm going to start making you know some adjustments to my business and. When I say the time is right, I mean, I've gone through the last two years have been really shitty. I mean, two years ago, I had the worst year ever for income, I think, um, since I've been in the work, since I've been post post grad or post qualification. Now, that doesn't include the first two years when I started my business when revenue in the first year was four hundred dollars. I mean, how do you top that? Um <laughs> But, you know, it's starting, I'm starting to get traction and I know that now's the time to invest back into my business and make decisions that can help me go to that next level. And, you know, you guys know that's, that's the biggest challenge is just finding the right formula. You know, you think you got the right, it all figured out. I've zigged and zagged for six years now. I just wanted to get to five because of that stat, you know, 50% fail, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately that was my objective was just to get to five years. So now I'm heading into six and things are finally starting to pick up. So it's kind of the time to, to, to you know, do something about it. Mm. Yeah. I'd say I certainly haven't figured out my process yet. It's, <laughs> it's still evolving. It, it evolves every week. Work every in day, progress. Every hour. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Hector. But that's what makes it fun, right? Like if it was the same thing every day, that I'd get a job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hold on. Hector, it, sounds like, it seems like we're on this kick of, of different ways we've referred or partnered or tried to partner with people? What, what kind of referrals network or partnership network have you created for your practice? Have you, do you have like, you know, one attorney you send everybody to a banker you send everybody to, or how have you, have you, how have you um, worked that with your practice? Good question. Yeah. I have uh, about three attorneys that I send stuff to depending on what they do. So I, I kind of have a attorney that's mostly for incorporation and contracts I have one attorney that's mostly for like the wealth management stuff, like uh, uh, creating a trust and asset protection. And then I have a, a different attorney that's mostly for like the litigation stuff. So I, I kind of, I like attorneys that are specialists uh, as well, just because I want to, I let them know that I'm a specialist myself. So I try to attract people that are like kind on the attorney side, but I think I do a lot more referrals in the area of accounting, bookkeeping, than anything else. I mean, the, one of the main issue I have is the amount of leads that I get from YouTube. I, I just get an incredible number of leads. Now we are priced, I would like to say high. I, I don't, you know, this is all relative, right? Like what, what, what people value. But I like to say compared to like a pro advisor that's been in the, in the market for maybe three years or so, I'm probably gonna be about double what the average they charge. So it's it, some customers may come from the uh, from the notion that they're gonna charge they're gonna pay fifty to hundred dollars an hour for bookkeeping work, quote unquote. It's gonna be difficult to sell whatever I got to sell just because when you convert it to hourly and and, and the, we try to work in a way that it's difficult, but the customers at the end count you know the time that we're interacting. They they do end up paying it two to three hundred dollar let's call it hourly rate. So it is, it is challenging for me to take on all the leads 
especially the ones that that are not looking for consulting or looking for just um, data entry work, right? So, uh, so for those, I tend to refer those out quite a bit. Um, I try to keep them within my network. So I, I send them to my office manager who tries to figure out if there's a way we can flat fee a deal that, um, that doesn't sound as expensive, quote unquote, when it's uh, converted into an hourly rate. Uh, because we're really fast, right? So it, it would be a bit confusing. But I tend to refer a lot of stuff out. So um, I have about two pro advice, two or three pro advisors that have niche specialties that I became really good friends with. Uh, Seth, David, he, I send him sure. most, most of my e-commerce type of stuff. I just send it his way because he specializes on it. He, he talks about it. He makes videos about it. I'm pretty comfortable you know, send he's Seth David. <laughs> he's he's, he's Seth David, right? Yeah. Um, then, then I have Angela, Angela Marks. I don't know how to spell her last name from That Is Fi. She's she's in Toronto actually. I try to send her a lot of the custom reports uh, type of uh, deals that that I get. Um, I have uh, a person for real estate. I have a person for construction. So whenever I can't handle it within my my group. Um, I try to send it out and I, I, I don't get as much as a reciprocal relationship where they send stuff back to me, but I'm kind of okay with it just because I've done pretty good with my marketing. Now within my group, I think it'll be this, interesting to discuss because while we're in the topic of uh, franchising, expanding and partnering and referring, my system is a bit strange. So I found a person that said, I want to do what you do. And I liked him. I became really good friends with him, Alejandro. This was like nine years ago. And I said, okay, let's do this. You set up your practice. I'm going to send, I'm going to sprinkle a couple of customers your way. I'm going to tell you how to price it. I'm going to help you uh, close the deals. I'll guide you to the process. And if, if this works out, we'll think about a partnership. And we never really did a partnership per se. What we have now, nine years later, it's I have my practice, he's got his, but we have one business that pays for all the overhead and we pay uh, the same amount. And then I would say about three years after, so about seven years ago, a different person came in, Alexander, my second partner, um, we did the exact same thing. So he's, he built his entire practice using the same company name, Quick, Quick Bookkeeping. We all wear the same uniforms. We go to conferences together. We have one office. All the internal employees are paid by the group. Our copier is paid by the group. Our rent is paid by the group. Our marketing, a website. So we treat it as one company, but each of us have our, our own books of business. And then we have internal numbers that if I send it to you, you give me a piece of the action. If you send it to me, I'll give you a piece of the action for a particular number of time. And then after certain time passes by, they become your client, they become mine. Maybe I'll help you with your client when you're on vacation and vice versa. But for the most part, we are three independent accounting practices that have our own books of business, but we share our overhead. And the reason why this has been valuable to us, is it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me, is because I've, I've built, I helped someone else build a business that's similar to mine, that uses my brand. So when I refer it out, it doesn't seem like a third party. And it's been a very beneficial thing because I'm able to send all my overflow to people I trust that they know they're going to take care of it. 
I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a piece of the business. And worst case scenario, I didn't send it to some strange person that if it doesn't work out, the customer know, still knows who I am and I'm still sort of partially there. So that's that's been really good for me. But the best part about this partnership is we never complain about who goes on vacation, who works more than the other, because at the end of the day, whoever puts the most effort makes them more, the most money in their own firm. So that has reduced all the potential fights you can have uh, between partners, because the only fight we can have is just an opinion about whether we should buy a new server or not. And at the end of the day, the nice thing about three is that there's all, the voting system works beautiful, right? So there's always going to be two versus one. And, and in many cases, them two have voted, have outvoted me in, in an opinion I had, and it has gone their way. So, so it's been a pretty good partnership. And I'll tell you, if it's, there's not, not that much to it. The way I explained it is really that simple. Everything else is obviously based on trust. Anyone out there looking to uh, grow their practice without investing any money, just bring two talented people into your group, create one system, share expenses. It's really the best, fastest, and most stress-free way of growing your business. That's really, that's really Now, the great. one thing, Hector, I, I'd like to say is, as far as the reciprocation, I think you're probably getting more reciprocation than you realize, but I think everyone refers, um, instead of referring to you, they refer to your videos. Like, for example, Brad, today, <laughs> I think had a post that he was talking about how he was talking to someone about your videos. So I think the problem is that you're now, you are now Hector, the YouTube God. So they refer to your YouTube channel more than they refer to you. And uh, so I wonder if you're getting leads that you're not aware of because people are referring on to YouTube as opposed to giving them That's your true. email address. Yeah. Like most people don't call me and say, I saw your video because X person told me to watch your video. I mean, the, I saw your video is always the beginning of the email. It's amazing. Almost all the emails are, I was watching your video on XYZ and I have a question. That's really how, how they start. And I like to, um, if you don't mind, maybe we can talk about this specific topic. This thread started in uh, our Facebook group this morning. Someone was quasi complaining, quasi asking about a customer emailing them for the very first time a specific question about QuickBooks or accounting. And they were asking the group, hey, should I answer this? You know, or should I say you have to pay to pick my brain? You know, why are customers leads coming on and strictly coming with the question instead of assuming that this is a commercial relationship? And then the threat started, uh, the conversation started happening about somebody went into their profile and said, look, in your profile, it says free consultation. So then the discussion was, what is a free consultation? And, you know, should a free consultation have a specific scope? You know, how do you describe what's a free consultation? Is there something good or bad about free consultations. So I would love to discuss that, you know, when a new lead comes in, whether it's referred or, or from the ProAdvisor website from Google, and they ask you a question, free advice, right? What is the limit of a free consultation, pros and cons? You know, maybe we can go around and get uh, everyone's opinion on this. That's a good one. You want me to start? Yeah. Well, yeah. my approach is simple. Um, I offer one hour of free consultation officially um, they have to, they have to book me through, through my, my, uh, I don't use Calendly anymore, Acuity, my Acuity link. And 
it's either Zoom or a phone call and it's capped at an hour unless I connect with an entrepreneur on the other end and I know I'm going to do some business with them. I find out a little bit more about them. I find out how serious they are. I'm willing to give it a little bit more because I know I'm going to get it back. Um, Hector, I mentioned to you offline at a client that <laughs> it's amazing how hard she worked to do business with me. She phoned me three times over a span of six weeks. My voicemail wasn't notifying me that I was getting voicemail. One time we were in London, so I think that explained part of it. But I, I finally heard these messages of this lady frantically trying to reach out to me from Arizona. She's actually in Canada, but she lives down there for most of the year. And she tried so hard to track me down and made such an effort to track me down. I was mortified to hear that. And then, you know, I, I finally reached out and met with them today. It's a family business with a, with a really cool thing going on. And, and I knew just from talking to these people that I could give them some free time. And I did that. The first time we talked, we went way over the hour. We figured all kinds of things, found out a little bit more about the business. So to me, a free consultation is all about setting boundaries. And if, if you say it's an hour and you don't feel the love or you feel the love and it's maybe not super lucrative, you kind of cap it there and then get the proposal out there. Get, I actually take credit cards from all my clients now. I don't, I don't extend receivables. I don't extend credit. I, I run everything through a credit card now. So I don't really worry about that. I kind of set the, the guidelines, but sending that proposal out kind of defines whether they want to do business or not. And I kind of establish whether I even want to send a proposal out in that one hour. And it's, it's working for me. Like free consultation is attractive. I know some people won't do it. I, I like to tailor it to who I'm on the other end of the phone with or, or the Zoom call. Brad, let me ask you a follow-up question. So sure. you get an email from someone that says, hey, I follow you on Twitter. I read a couple of your articles and I need help with my QuickBooks. Uh, you know, can we connect <laughs> to talk about my needs, right? So you, you would immediately, without doing any homework, you would say yes to that? Um, I rarely connect in person. Because well, let's, say, let's say it's a phone call or yeah. a Zoom call, right? But, but that's what I'm saying. You, you, no qualifier. Like the signature doesn't even tell you what company they're from. I found you online. I need help. One with hour. Books, yeah. Regardless hour. of who they are. Okay. It depends. I mean, I, I, I'll do some homework. Uh, I'll get a feel for how they communicate and their communicating style. A lot of people are just tire kickers. I get it too from, you know, the Finder Pro Advisor site. They're, they're talking to everyone. It's a canned message that comes in. You can tell by, by reading it because a lot of times they're asking for tax and year ends and even bookkeeping now. So it, I can kind of qualify it in the initial con, um, conversation. I don't always extend that invitation to people, but it's right on my website that I offer, you know, reach out or somewhere. I, 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 I think it's on my find a pro advisor site after that one hour. But it depends, right? I'll, I'll kind of, I had a 15 minute call with this one guy and what a dick. He was such a dick that, oh my God, I was, I was so, I got offended by the guy and I finally stopped him and said, look, we're done here. Goodbye. 15 minute consultation, right? So it depends. That was an extreme. But let me ask you a, just a quick question and I'll ask Andrew and Michael the same question. You said that sometimes you're able to detect that they're tire kickers, right? Uh, maybe with the language they use or the questions they ask, maybe give me some of the top indicators that this is going to be a waste of time or, or a tire kicker type of type of lead. Well, and right from the start, I mean, I advertise very clearly that I don't do 
the traditional accounting services. And if it's just about taxes, year ends, bookkeeping, I don't even want to say, oh, I can find somebody to do it for you because it's like, what am I, a referral agency here? That's not really what I do. But I do get other cases lately where there's really high quality leads come in. I talk to them. I see potential benefit to work with them as well. And then I'll hear them say, I need some bookkeeping done. And right away, I don't have a problem referring them on because I just feel like it's the right thing to do. And I'll probably get some other work out of them or at least a referral. So I'm pretty good at reading people. And I've been online for years, long before the internet was really that much of a thing, dial-up modems and everything. And I'm pretty good at reading people online, um, just as easy as I can in person. So I go on the gut feel. And, and you guys know I got a good gut there. So it's a good one. <laughs> it's taking years to build that gut. Yes, right? yes it's uh, muscle, right? So, uh, Andrew, Andrew, how about you? You're very active in, in Twitter. So you must get tons of leads, maybe Twitter messages or DMs. Um, how do you, so my first question is, do you do the free consultations? What, what is the scope of the consultation? And two, how do you filter those tire kickers out? What, how do you know they're tire kickers? So we, we do offer a free consultation. We offer a free one hour consultation, have for, for years. Uh, I don't do them myself anymore. Um, we're probably doing uh, between 45 to 60 a month um, of consultations. So people actually either coming in in person, meeting over the phone. Wait, uh, unpaid, or dialing 45 in to 60 Zoom. unpaid consultations. These are leads. Correct? 45 to 60 unpaid. These, these are leads. And we close about 25% uh, of those. So we have a fairly low close ratio. Uh, especially compared to when, like, I always worry when I talk to people, when I hear people who are closing, closing 50, 60, 75%, we close closer to 25% of our, our leads. And I'm sort of, I'm, I'm definitely trying to improve that. And that's one of the areas we're focusing on. You know, people, I guess it's, uh, you know, people look for validation for what, what they're doing is right. And so I've been told that if you're, if you're actually closing those ratio, it means you're probably priced right because, because if you're closing 100% of your leads, you're priced too low. I, I don't know if that's just a way to validate the fact that we have a low, low close ratio or if that's actually true. Um, but we do, yeah, we do quite a few. So we invest a lot of, uh, a lot of humor into that, that process. I personally have of the mindset that if I can help someone, I always look for the opportunity to do it. It might be wrong. And I know there's lots of people out there that say, you should be paid for your time and you shouldn't give away your time. You shouldn't give away your value. Um, it's just, I guess I grew up and my, my dad taught me this from an early age that the more people that you help, the more that people are going to want to help you. And that if you can demonstrate value doesn't become a client in that individual situation, um, then they're still going to probably be more likely to recommend or refer you to other people that they bump into. Like this guy was amazing. He helped me out. He spent an hour with me, helping me solve my problems um, and didn't charge me for it. And, and, and at the end told me he, he wasn't the right fit and he wouldn't be the right client for me. And sometimes, you know, I get um, these evangelists because I've actually told them that we're not firm for them and that we can't help them. Like, I, I think one of the things like we turn down personal tax pretty much all the time because we don't like to do personal tax um, unless it's really to help one of our corporate tax clients, because we can't add a ton of value on personal tax. They're not, 
you know, unless there's a unique complex situation there. And I tell people that I'm like, look, you're better off to go get TurboTax or go to H&R Block, which is shit. But if you've got just a T4, they're going to do a direct data download from CRA. Anyways, so, and I'm not going to be able to do that as cheap as H&R Block or as cheap as doing TurboTax. So being honest and upfront with them and, and helping them, guiding them to the right solution has created these people who are evangelists who who never were clients, but have referred other people who have become clients because of the fact that we've helped them. Now, is that the right approach? I don't know. Uh, it's just the approach that I grew up with and that it, that I feel comfortable with. Because I, now that being said, a lot of our initial consultations, because they've been, because we do 45 to 60 of them, and we've been doing this for years, they're really refined down to, um, a process and and let's face it a lot of these free consultations with ourselves and with most other people are are an opportunity for us to to run a sales pitch and to present why we're a good firm for hopefully the right client like if we can solve a problem we're happy to do it um, but nine times out of ten people aren't coming to us with that very specific issue it might be different for you Hector because you have videos where people are like I'm looking to solve a very specific issue I've Googled that. So we don't have quite the same, the same leads coming to us. Like I have a very specific issue. Like there's like my specific issue is I got to file a tax return and I don't want to fucking deal with it. So can you, me? and that's sort of the broad issue. And then it's more about us being proactive and saying, okay, yes, you have to file a tax return. Um, but have you thought about the structure of your corporation have you thought about looking at alternative strategies? Have you looked at IPPs? Have you looked at insurance programs? Have you looked at tools and strategies to get the most out of your business? So oftentimes it's us pushing rather than them pushing on us. But I guess that's just the nature of us being in slightly different businesses. Mike, how about you? Yeah, we, we, um, the, the, uh, in regards to the free consultation, yeah, I, I actually end up, I meet it with a lot of people. I love, I love meeting people. So, um, I will, you know, I tell people, look, if you reach out to me, um, and I have the time available, I'm more than likely put you on the calendar for a video call or in-person call. Cause, um, I approach almost every situation with a new person as what's something new I can learn from this person. What's something new I can gain. Um, I, I don't make the assumption that, that I know everything cause I don't, I really don't. And I don't feel like I do. Um, and that's probably been the biggest part of my success is I just try to eat up as much as I can. So I love asking questions. Um, if I can leave a conversation um, with somebody new where I let them talk basically 95 to hundred percent of the time, then I pretty much know if I come back to them with a proposal or I ask them to do something that they'll sign it or do it. Um, that's when I know I've gained their trust or earned their, their trust. And so I focus on with a consultation or every encounter asking as many questions as possible to dig out the real issue or root cause or need they have. Um, and by the end of it, I find, and this is, this actually relates to our sales process. I find that the most successful sales that have the biggest value, the biggest price um, and close the fastest on and are the least um, the least high maintenance customers they are the sales process where I've literally talked very little and I shared very little about what we do 
but I was, a, I was an ear to that person at that time. Um, and they, they, something in them says, I can trust Michael uh, because he was willing to listen to all the stuff I needed to talk about, regardless of it, whether it was relevant of why I reached out to him. So that's kind of the, the, the take I usually, I, I usually focus on when I try to meet somebody and the fact that I just actually genuinely enjoy meet, meeting new people. So that's probably why I, I don't worry about charging for that initial 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, cause I, cause I'm going to gain something usually from it myself. And Michael, um, from what you're saying, uh, what I'm understanding is that you're, you're having a much better close rate than what uh, Andrew's talking about. Right. I mean, because it sounds like this is coming from a place of really high confidence where you are willing to invest that hour because historically there's just a number, right? There's a percentage number that's that you're comfortable with because you're saying, look, three out of four people that I speak to, we turn them into clients anyway. So it's worth their, your time. So is, is that right? Do you have a, a really high close rate? Yeah, we definitely have a high close rate, you know, and uh, I, uh, the, that's the, the few sales that I'm still involved with, which is not many because I am a full-time sales guy. Um, I end up closing the majority of those if, if, if I end up doing the deal myself. Um, and, and usually it's a high value deal or it's a deal that comes through somebody I know. So they want to talk with me personally. Um, and, but then I also, my sales guy that I transitioned most of the sales to, I, I taught him my process and how I approach sales. He's a very similar type of person. Um, and probably made it even better. And so his close rates better. Um, and his, the pricing is better. Even it's, even it's even higher. He's finding more value because he's able to focus on it full time. Whereas I was doing it as, you know, 25% of my job as a CEO. So. Now we forgot to both you and I might forgot to answer is actually first question, which is how do we know when they're tire kickers? Uh, so yeah. my first thing is, if a client comes to the door and the very first question they ask is how much do you cost? I know they're shopping around. So that's the yes. first thing. Do you have any key signs for tire kickers? That's great. Um, tire, that's, a, that's a great sign. Um, I also, a, a key sign for a tire kicker too is uh, they, they tend to not answer the questions. You know, if somebody, somebody who's not a tire kicker will will answer your good questions thoroughly and they will start answering other questions before you ask so they will start sharing information because they're looking for a solution a real one versus they answer very short and quickly they're going oh what do you price or what's the pricing model look like and you go okay this is a tire kicker this is somebody that's trying to shop and compare me how about you andrew have you had other or Hector, have you had other other uh, signs of a tire kicker <laughs> or somebody that's dropping around? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, let's go ahead, Hector. Andrew, you go first. No, no. Well, I was just going to say one of the other sure signs is when they come out full right up front and say, yeah, I'm talking to a few other firms. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, then Bye. you waste their time first. <laughs> <laughs> The dollar thing has to be a big one. I never, ever, ever quote a price. I always say I'll send you a fee proposal and that's that. And I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent this year, guys. So I'm doing something right. I, I gave one we're, away. We're actually pretty, right. 
It didn't feel right. And I gave it to somebody that I met a bookkeeper that was going to give him much better service. And she did everything I did, but a little less expensive on some of the areas. And I just said, you know what? I think you should go. And this guy was kind of offended. He had his mind made up. He wanted to work with me. And I said, well, no, I think you should work with this, this other person. So it's the only person I sent away. You know what? One other sign that I, I just thought of right now, not so much of a tire kicker, but of a client that I don't want is the clients who say there's two, there's two things that I, that, that I've heard over and over again, that are the sign of potentially bad customers. One, my work is really easy. It's really simple because yeah. yeah. anyone who tells me that it never, it never is. Or I have a, I'm going to refer a lot of people to you because yeah. the people who I've met in my life who do refer a lot of people to me, never tell me they're going to, no, it just, it just do. happens. And yeah. And the people who always tell me, Oh, I'm going to refer so many people to you. I've, I, you know, I'm, I, I know a lot of people in the IT industry. They never refer anybody. That's the proverbial carrot, right? Yeah. So I have I have a bigger project that's coming behind this one, or I'm gonna refer yeah. you so many clients that you're gonna want to give me this one for free. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> one of the so one of the one one of the things that I could only really say five years after being a prolific YouTuber is that I've I've leveraged my channel in order to filter my the tire kickers so one of the things that we most of the time answer on the emails because that we all of our leads come via email like 95 percent come via email right because i have my email signature on every article i write email signature on every video that i create so typically what i say is what's stopping you from doing it yourself right that's all that's always the question and, and that question may be written in different ways but what's stopping you from doing it yourself? So I, I hear your question about inventory valuation, whatever it happens to be. There's three videos in my YouTube channel that explain the process. And it sounds like you have QuickBooks Enterprise. So support is included. What's stopping you from doing this by yourself? And the follow-up answer to that is the one that tells you this is going to be a good client or it's going to be a complete waste of time. Because they'll say something like, I watched the videos. I tried. I call support. I tried. I <laughs> now need a out. professional. The truth comes out. I now out. need a professional. Yeah. So at that point, you are at the best possible spot because you you always want to know because when the, there's a difference between what the client's asking and what their intent is. And, and in many ways, not everybody's a great communicator where the intent is also easily understandable from the question. Sometimes the question is being asked and there's no intent whatsoever or they don't know what they want, right? They're saying... You know, they're asking you this weird tax. I'm looking for an account, a new accountant. Here, here's a tax question, but you don't know really what the intent is behind it. So what's stopping this from, from you doing it by yourself is something that I ask. Now, most accountants don't want to ask that because most accountants think that they are really important people, right? That people need accountants, right? But in, in the reality, everything that we learn, sorry about that, everything that we learn, the customers can learn. I mean, we, nobody was born knowing tax code. Nobody was born knowing QuickBooks. We just spent an extra decade, right? Studying it that they are willing to spend. But, in re, but they, it doesn't mean that they don't have the capacity to do their own tax return or to fix their own QuickBooks file or do their own bookkeeping. But it's important for them to tell you why is it important for you to do it? 
Because once you hear them say, I want you to do it because I want a professional. I want you to do it because I'm going to screw it up. I want you to do it because I don't have time. Then you know exactly what you're selling. You're not selling bookkeeping. You're not selling accounting. You're selling a tax return. You're selling what's holding them back from doing it on, on their own. And when they tell you stuff like, because I'd rather be selling, I'd rather be developing my business, that's a great lead. That's Working the best lead. on your business, yeah. Right. But, but in, in many cases, you can have customers that are actually great customers that look like tire kickers because you don't ask them the right questions. So customers are not, you know, they're not by themselves inherently tire kickers. And that's, that's a really difficult concept. It was difficult for me to understand uh, because at first I thought there was good, good customers and bad customers, right? The ones that waste my time and the ones that don't. But in, in, in many ways, the way you position yourself as a provider and, and look, in my email signature, I put my, you know, schedule a consultation with me. Here's the price. I put that. It's on the signature of the email. So before I even offer anything or talk about pricing, they see that in the signature. And in many times, people reply back saying, oh, thank you for your answer. I saw your note on the, on the consultation price. Sorry, you're too expensive for me. Goodbye. And maybe I lost a potential good customer and I scared them off with some sort of price in the signature. But it's also really good to send that signal and let the client know that you are in business to transact, not to give free help. Now, if you're still growing your practice, if you're, if you're not kicking customers out or not being able to manage all the leads that you have, uh, because you don't have great marketing, I understand why you would do those free consultations because you want to search for opportunities. But there comes, there comes a, a time where you have to stop searching for the opportunities and you have to let the opportunities find you. And you can only do that with really good positioning or a really good way to filter those customers out with nifty ways like what's holding you back? Why didn't you do it? Or why don't you just stay with your old accountant? Because that's another thing. A client telling you that they're switching accountants means that they're stopped. Think about it. It sounds attractive that they're saying, oh, they're looking for a new accountant. You're only thinking about you. Okay, this is great for me because they're looking for a new one and that new one might be me. But you're forgetting that they're leaving someone else. So you need to understand why they're leaving that someone else and what expectations did the other person set. So just a couple couple things that I was thinking through, uh, like that, even that threat, a Facebook threat that I was uh, talking about, and you guys gave similar answers, which is, you know, there are pros and cons to this free consultation uh, concept. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, Hector. The the there there is a point where um, the reality is your schedule is going to get so full, and your business is going to grow, and your capacity is going to fill, and you actually have to decide which of the free consultations do you actually start taking, right? You're going to, have to start filtering them out so that you start getting the most ideal deal free consultations or a filter like you did, Hector, is you start using language, whether it's in a form or on your website or in an email that you use to self filter people out. And at the same time, you can point them to a free resource. So for you, Hector, you benefit because you can point them to your own videos and say, Hey, if you don't meet this criteria, I can help you out, but you can go to my videos and you can watch them to see if you, if that helps you out. And frankly, I point a lot of people to your videos. I say, Hey, you know, this yep. thing that you're asking, 
I don't work on desktop. I don't, I don't know this. I don't know about this. And you're asking, but my friend Hector, he does go to the videos and then reach out to him and let him know that I sent or, you. Or yeah. tell him to click on the ads. Tell him when you send yeah. people to my videos, say, click on the ads. That's how he gets paid <laughs> through YouTube. That's really, really great. So yeah. Let's so yeah, yeah, let's finish it on a positive note and let's, yeah. uh, let's go over, let's do a round table here. And let's do kind of the opposite side of that question. Like, you know, so instead of thinking, how do we figure out tire kickers? Let's ask the other question. Give me like the one tip, the best positive tip, your Jedi trick that, you know, something that you do to find good customers or to continually be attracting good customers. So Brad, maybe we'll start with you. Just show interest in them as people and, and try and find those pain points and empathize with them. I just spent this week, I, I have an optometrist client I just got and I spent seven hours in this tiny little closet-sized office with her on Thursday and four hours on Tuesday. There's a joke in there somewhere. There's got to be a, an accountant and an optometrist going to a closet. That's what it was like. And, she, and I sent her my bill today, and it was a you know four-figure amount. And she responded and said, that was an awesome experience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I thought, well, strike while the iron's hot. I sent her my ProAdvisor link and said, how about a review? <laughs> but you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's showing the empathy and, and feeling their pain and showing that you understand and, and you can help them, you know, alleviate that pain. And it, it's really just listening to learn and paying attention. Um, listening is, is something I was never good at and I'm getting much better. At. And Andrew, you're, you're improving too. We got that little lecture in San Jose, right? Um, yeah. You know, it works. It really, really does work. Empathy is a, a big part of, of my business and why I think I get really high quality clients. Andrew, how about you? What is the one thing, Brad, good answer. Um, what is the one thing that you do or you don't do that helps you get good clients? You know, the number one thing that we do that helps us get good clients is offering our um allows us to get people at the beginning before they've created bad habits. Um, and those are the ideal clients for us is when we can get someone um, who's got some money getting started, um, who's open to suggestions and ideas on how to do things right and doesn't come from another accountant where either they created a disaster because of what they were doing or they created a disaster because of what the accountant was doing. So that's the best, best thing in the world. Um, I think I'm learning more to listen. Uh, I'm learning more to, to work on boundaries. Um, I'm, I'm reading right now, um, this week's book was uh, Dare to Lead by uh, Brené Brown, um, which is a great book about empathy as, as Brad talks about and listening and connecting with people. But one of the big things, one of the, my biggest takeaways from, from that was the concept to bound and setting boundaries, you know, whether that's with your family, whether that's with your coworkers, whether that's with your clients, I think that that goes a long way because uh, empathy is definitely important. Um, but empathy without boundaries is insane. So it got cut off a little bit, uh, Andrew. I just want to. Uh, I read between the lines that what you what you were suggesting is try to find customers that are just getting started or they're early in their journey, so you can catch them before they get bad habits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Michael, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say um, uh, 
to find the ideal client. Um, ideal clients are ones that um, are referred to you um, from a trusted source. So somebody else that you've worked with before or another client. Um, and then I like to ask them uh, to describe how, how do they think we can help them before I tell them anything about us and how, do, how would they like to be worked with, right? How would they like to, how would like, would they like to work to go? And if, if I hear in the, in the answer that those two things mesh with our processes and our values and our, and, and, and the way we would want to interact with them, then it's going to be a great client because they've just basically told us whether or not they're going to be a good fit. And we don't have, we didn't have to dig that out from them. So I guess I'll go. Uh, mine would be to make sure that there's the, the position of power it's shifted from the customer to the service provider at the very beginning. Uh, over time, the position of power will be leveled and there'll be an equal uh, relationship. But this is the challenge that I, I think most of my colleagues have. And I had the first 70% of the times that I've been operating. It's only been the last four or five years that I've learned this. But the biggest challenge is because the customer has the checkbook and we need the customer. The customer starts with a position of power and we tend to just say yes to whatever the customer asks, or we tend to say yes to whatever new customer comes in. And what ends up happening is it creates an environment where we are either working with customers we don't like, which, is low, which can lower the quality to the good customers, create anxiety and make us overly busy, not doing what we love. Um, so I think that we should learn how to say no at the beginning or learn how to take a, a very deep position in what we want to do, what we're willing to do, what our sweet spot is, and let the customer win over that relationship with you, not the other way. Now, I'm not saying that we're better than our customers. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that because the customer has the checkbook, automatically they believe that they have the position of power. So when they come to you, they need to get a kickback that says, huh, that person's good. I need to earn the right to work with that person. And then once you guys work together, obviously it should be a, a, you know, an equal footing relationship. It should be a great relationship. But, but bad customers will drive out good customers indirectly or directly. The other piece is, and I learned this from Ron Baker, and I got to tell you, I, I, I had to hear him say it like 10 times until it clicked. Saying that you're busy to your biggest, best customers is the worst thing that you can do. If your best customer calls you and says, hey, it's April 10th, Hector, I know you must be busy. Your answer is not, yes, I'm busy because I'm a busy accountant. That's the stupidest answer you can give. You can say, the, the answer is never for you. That's the answer. Are you busy? Yes. Never for you. Because your best customers are the ones that are going to most likely refer you your the best potential customers because it, it, it kind of works that way. Good customers bring in other good customers. But when you yes. tell your best customers that you're busy, they're going to say, oh, oh, I'm not going to send him any work because if I send him work, he's going to get busier. And then the quality of the work is going to go down for me. So good customers are smart and they're not going to want to send you work if you're saying you're busy. So the answer is never for you, right? Great. And then once you're done serving your great customer, instead of spending so much money in marketing, go back to that great customer and says, hey, by the way, 
I'm focusing my practice to working with people like you. So if you have friends that are business owners like you, I would love to get your referrals. And then focus on getting referrals from good customers. Never tell your good customers that you're busy. And to me, that has been the best secret to having good customers. That's great. That's a great way to end the Hector. Um, well, thanks for joining us, guys. And a, a great word for everybody. Thanks for sharing. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hang out. Good night. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, man. Bye. Hasta luego. <laughs>